0: Folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with uh, Carlos and Sean. Carlos, um, Dave is here to put us straight, put you straight mostly about what happened over the last few days. And by Dave, I mean Dave Barquet, uh, Oh my God, you've
1: seen it? It's been like four hours since we've seen him. You don't remember his last name? No, right I, I don't. Like
0: I no, I don't. I'm not like you. I'm not still in high school calling everybody by their last name. Hey Windsor, you know? Hey uh, Burkett. whatever. I try to use hey. first names because we're adults now. You know what I mean? So anyway, yes. Them. Yeah, Dave Briquette, the great, great Dave Briquette, as you would say, who's here to tell us what the heck just happened in the NFL draft. By the way, Carlos, are you okay? We're doing a podcast. This is almost like an emergency podcast. That's a lot of work for you. You doing okay?
1: I, I'm not doing okay, Sean. You actually wrote about hockey uh, during the draft, which which I knew would happen. you find a way to write about basketball, I figured. But I, I didn't know that you knew w- what hockey was or, or that the Red Wings played it, so I'm I'm kind of like stupefied. I don't know. Everything's kind of topsy turvy right now, so I'm not doing well.
0: You're a little sleepy. I want you to speed that up a little bit. Let's. Uh, but I, you know, I, I appreciate the sarcasm. That's awesome. You're welcome, Dave. What, so the Lions are a Super Bowl contender now, right? After the last three days, what what happened? <laughs> I put money on them when I
2: was in Vegas. I'm glad Thank I got it early. There. Um
0: there it, there's no better businessman who doubles as a as a sports writer in America, <laughs> right? Carlos.
2: <laughs> I wish I, I have all these ideas. I just can't bring them to, to fruition yet, but that's coming. So um all right, tell us what happened, man. Yeah, no, I I like the draft. I mean, I, I think the Lions did well to get, you know, two of the, you know, let's just be conservative and call it, you know, 15 best players in the draft, but you get the Aiden Hutchinson, who I think most most um you know, executives would, would tell you was the the best defensive end in the draft, the safest player, you know, he's got some upside too. Uh, And then to trade up and get Jamison Williams, one of the best wide receivers. Um, Those are are guys that should be impact players for the lions in a very short amount of time. Um, And then they went ahead and, and, you know, made some, some really good, I thought, you know, depth picks as well. You never know how some of those guys are going to play out, but um, look, they, they filled some holes. They got some good talent. They took some upside guys late. So um, I like what the Lions did in the draft, and and I think most Lions fans should come away feeling, um, you know, confident about where this organization is headed to. Carlos, yeah, okay. So Brad Holmes
1: said he wanted game changers. How many game changers did he get though? I mean, you know, out
2: of eight picks. I know, I know, there was no quarterback, Carlos. So you know, you get that out of the way yeah, first. And there right? should I have been, been, but are disappointed. Okay. About but you don't forget that. How many game changers are they getting out of this out of this draft? Well, I mean. I think potentially two, but I don't, you know, had you stayed at 32, I, I don't know that you're getting a game changer there, right? Like Aiden Hutchinson definitely can be a game changer. He's, he's that type of, of talent up front. I mean, I don't know that he's going to be miles Garrett. I don't, you know, the, the best defensive end in the NFL, but if he's a 10 sack guy, that can still be a game changer especially as, as hard as he plays. Jameson Williams is the guy that um, offensively that most people would look at as a game changer, the big time speed, the, ability to run away from defenders in in the open field you know the separation as a receiver he's coming off an ACL so there's there's certainly a lot of risk to to that pick Um, and I get why you know some people might be um, you know hesitant about about that trade-up but uh, I I think he's he has you know game-breaking potential and if that's what uh, you know, Brad Holmes wanted, and and I happen to agree because I think as as good as uh, your depth can be in the NFL, I, I do think you need some true difference makers to to be a really elite team. If that's what he wanted to do, he he went out and made sure that he got a second one of those guys. Yeah. And okay. then everybody else
1: was just, as he said, foundational pieces, you know, That's, yeah, that was my beef gonna... with the with the quarterback. Why, why just, is
0: that a beef? Why is that a it's beef?
1: A, it's a beef because th- he talked about, you know, wanting to, you know, yeah, wanting to balance patience and, and aggressiveness or whatever. But, you know, he was aggressive one time, you know, and I, I don't, I don't disagree with the James William pick and the Hutchinson pick, those are, those are good picks. Well, I, or, I would I'm just awesome. say
2: that, you know, even if you're aggressive in round three or round five or whatever, like you're not getting a game changer in those rounds. So I don't know that the time to be aggressive in my eyes is, is that early on. And I know there's, you know, there's the other argument that you could play the volume game. Right. And, and if you have, you know uh, you know, eight picks in rounds, you know, three through five, like you're bound to hit on somebody. So there, there's certainly that argument to be made, but. Um, that that involves trading down and then just rolling the dice on, on numbers rather than being aggressive and going up and, and trying to make something happen with the guy you really believe in.
0: Okay, a few things here. First of all, you're not bound. No offense, Dave, but uh, I mean the odds are still against you, right? So you're not bound at all. You're still throwing darts blindfolded. I think I wrote. Look, Carlos has got a beef. I have a beef, and I, and let me just preface this by saying I love Carlos. I, I brought pot roast. <laughs> and fed carls i'm gonna bring him fried chicken here in the next few weeks I, carls is one of my favorite human beings a wonderful human being but i am starting to get um i'm gonna drive myself to the hospital if i have to hear one more opinion without context the best draft if you go back in the last 20 years here's the thing this is this is the problem david you i think you would attest to this folks around here have no idea what a good draft looks like right they really don't they're not used to it, so they don't understand the larger context of what constitutes not a good draft, but a great draft. In the last 20 years, there's been one team, if you, if you rank the drafts by just, oh, who had the best class? Forget year-over-year year consistency for a second. One class, that's the Seattle Seahawks who found two Hall of Famers in one class, or, or potential Hall of Famers, and Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. They also found three other starters. So a great, great draft historically, at least in modern, the last 20 years, it's the same postmodern football, whatever, it's two difference makers, Oh, not necessarily the Hall of Famers, but two, okay, Pro Bowl-level players, how about that? Two, and then a couple other starters. That's the top. That's as good as anybody's ever drafted. So why do we need to say the Lions have to somehow bust that to call that a great, great draft when nobody gets more than two difference makers? Nobody. Nobody's done it. So why do the Lions have to do it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would look, I I tend to agree with you, but I will say, you know, to Carlos's point, you know, there's like the Saints draft class from 2017 that Dan Campbell was a part of. Right. Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchick, Marcus Williams, Alvin Kamara, Trey Hendrickson. Like you can you can have a really good draft into, you know, day two where you're getting some impactful players and they may not be guys that starters start. Well, yeah, all five of those guys were in are among the best players at their positions right now in the NFL. But Trey Hendrickson, you know, was a third round pick. And and it's not like he was a day one starter, I don't believe. So, you know, there the the fruits of those drafts are not sometimes evident right away. And I think that's like you, you should be able to get some immediate impact from your first round picks, right? Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson Williams, even though he's hurt uh, whenever he gets back on the field, like he should, you should see that talent and he should be able to separate himself from some others at that position. But some of those guys, the, the Josh Pascals, um, you know, the Kirby Joseph's like, I, I wouldn't expect them necessarily to be to walk out on the field the first day of training camp and you'd be like, wow, that guy is a dude and he is going to be starting and, and, and you know, making Pro Bowls in his time. That may take time to develop. Um, I think you can you can have, you know, that sort of success where you find multiple starters, but it's just not always evident to the uh, to the eye. And that's why I think we all agree that, you know, some of these these instant draft grades, as much as we we do them, you know, they're they're pretty silly at the, uh, the base level. Carlos good draft.
1: I gave them a B overall for, not only for, for the pieces they picked, you know, they made sense. It wasn't anything crazy. You know, they didn't go after a long snapper or something like that. Um, a little, probably too heavy on defense, but um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they seem to fit a need. They, they seem to be guys who can play a role somewhere. They're probably, you know, a fair amount of them, especially day three, you know, maybe even day two, some rotational guys, but you know, um, I just wanted to see a little bit more aggressiveness from, from Brad Holmes and, you know, um, not even, I mean, yes, obviously the quarterback, but just maybe in other places. Um, but, you know, this is the start. And like I've said, the, the, this this rebuild is just not going to start until they draft a quarterback, you know, and, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing now is right. Unless, Of course, we don't know what's going to happen with injuries and all this other stuff. But as of now, Jared Goff is out of excuses here. Okay, he's got you know he's got his receiver. The receiving core is better, you know. They got a blocking tight end. Hopefully, maybe he may, he you know plays and makes some kind of a, a contribution. Um, and then the defense should be a little bit better, um, and that can help him too. So this is this is going to be an interesting year for Jared Goff, um, and and I, I, and that defense too. I mean, you, you I think it's been. I counted it yesterday. I don't remember. It was something like 10 out of 15 picks uh, Brad Holmes has made in his first two drafts have gone to defense, right? So uh, maybe Aaron Glenn's out of excuses now too. and Now he's got
2: to show what he can do with the, with the uh, talent he's getting. Well, I think on that point, you know, we, if you go back to, you know, what I was writing in, in February, right? Like it, that was their their MO is that they wanted to build this defense with a bunch of young guys you know they they wanted them to, this. This is a unit that that they know is going to be young, and it took some lumps last year, and it probably will this year. Even though they've 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 improved the talent on that side of the ball, but this is a, a group that can grow up together and become a a really good unit in their eyes together. And offensively, I'm with you. Like there's there's no this is it for Jared Goff. Like you know you, the Lions have have been confident about what he can do and Dan Campbell has said all along, like, Hey, he needs more talent around him. We need to, you know, in order to get a, a proper evaluation and he's got it now. I mean, he's got two good, three good receivers in, in theory, at least once, once Jamison gets back, you know, he's got a really good offensive line. They have the semblance of a, of a good running game. So the offense, um, for as many questions as I still have about Jared Goff, should be able to carry this team. And yeah, if, if golf, um, and maybe this is scary for lions fans, but look, if, if Goff has a good year, Um, you know, and the Lions enjoy some success, it's not out of the realm of possibility that You know he's the the quarterback going forward. He's 27 right now. He's got two years left on his contract after this year. So at some point he's going to need a new deal if he is the guy. And if he's not, you know it right now. And then that's what Brad Holmes has to focus all offseason on. You
1: you did not say new deal for Jared Goff. You did not say he needs he potentially needs a new deal. Do not you not you're not even
2: thinking about that, right? That's that's the rub with the quarterback position, and that's why like. You know this was the the danger that I think we all knew like when they acquired Jared Goff and when they they you know threw their their support behind him as being the guy for last year and this year and until they find somebody is that if you start winning enough like all of a sudden you're not looking for a replacement and he becomes your guy. And so yeah just you just look at the, the way things are in the NFL and, and the the money and, and where his contract is and, and how the, the salary cap is taken off. If Jared Goff has a good year and the Lions win some games, and they're not going to get one of those top quarterbacks next year. And all of a sudden, well, maybe we are building behind Jared Goff. Then, yeah, expect some contract talk next uh, next no, offseason. Expect no, that to be a theme. No, no. Well, think about Take the past. Back. When Take did they extend happy Stafford? When did these quarterbacks get new deals? I mean, you don't have to, right? Then you can play the the Kirk Cousins game, where you're you're going franchise tag to franchise tag, and you know you you let the thing play out. But that's just not historically how things happen at the quarterback position in the NFL.
0: Well, no, don't use history in the same sentence while you're talking to Carlos because it doesn't matter to him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but let's, <laughs> as, let's as we let's,
2: talked about in the press room ad nauseum. No,
0: oh my God! It's just it's. Uh, I mean, I don't have any hair, really. Otherwise, I'd pull it out. But the like I said, no, I'm just going to get in my car and check myself into the hospital. That's the only thing I I, I know to do at this point. All right, let, let me, let's just be realistic here for a second again, if uh, if that's okay with Carlos. How many difference-maker quarterbacks are there in the league?
2: Uh, if you're asking me, I mean, I think there's probably, I don't Five. know, uh, yeah, half dozen, you know, obviously Mahomes and Herbert and, you know, Joe Josh, Allen. Josh Allen, you know, I mean, Depending on uh, what you think of Lamar right. Jackson, like he's not my ideal quarterback, no, necessarily, he's, but he's a difference maker with his legs. Um,
0: he is, but is he a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I mean, maybe he will yeah. be. I mean, and then you got Rodgers and Brady, right? And, right. um, And Brady is so you know. So, and so, those are the
2: old old timers. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. with you there, Sean.
0: So out of thirty whatever teams, so in other words, they're really hard to find. So this idea that they're not starting the rebuild doing a quarterback, that's a, that's a, again, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, they're starting to rebuild, right? They're just waiting to get
2: a quarterback. They look, um, I, I think this is very much, you know, like what Brad Holmes saw in LA, you know, in that they are trying to build the, the best damn roster they can have, you know, on both sides of the ball. Or and Tennessee. They, yeah, they, they had Jared Goff, right? And then all of a sudden they were like, you know what? Jared Goff's not the guy. Let's go get a better guy. And that's what they did. And so if that's the approach that the Lions are sort of taking, right? Build this roster up and jared goff you know let's see you know we we believe that he can be better than people are giving him credit for but i think brad holmes would be quick to pivot if there was a better option available it's just there hasn't been a better option available these these first two years carlos 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 disappeared because of the uh, the thought of jared goff getting (laughs) i know i think we lost him I,
1: i know i'm still i'm kind of in a having a stroke right now but um yeah, Sean referenced, you know, like Tennessee, who drafted Malik Willis. Yeah, so Sean, thanks, you made my point for me.
0: Yeah, no, Tennessee <laughs> got to the playoffs with Tanner, Ryan Tannehill, who built around and built a really good defense and a nice running game. Of course, you know, I understand the Lions don't have that running back, but still, yeah,
1: I exactly. I want that. So, so you know, the thing with the the thing with the quarterback is that there there's so much idiotic mythology, and and you're part of the problem, Sean. You're you you think that they have to draft you know Aaron Rodgers or whatever Patrick No I don't Mahomes, that's exactly the they opposite need to of draft, what I say They need to draft Dak Prescott that's who they need to draft They need to find some dude somewhere in the 3rd round who's just going to be a pretty good dude who has Pro Bowl capability that's the next step for the Lions Finding the next Mahomes is not going to happen it's very like you say it's unlikely it's hard to find these guys So why don't you take more shots when you have oh, at the capital when it's a weaker draft Find somebody because I guarantee you what's going to happen with this stupid draft is at some point, one of these quarterbacks, when there was a run on the quarterbacks in the third round, one of them is going to turn out to be pretty good. And then you're going to hear and then we're going to hear, oh, well, there was someone in the Lions building. This guy advocated for him or that guy wanted him. But this guy, you know, Mahomes didn't or Dan Campbell didn't like him or something, something because there's always butt covering after the fact.
0: The quarterback on this team. Has played in two Pro Bowls. So what are we talking about when we say Pro Bowl level? What do we mean? Seriously, what do we mean? I mean, a, a, a good quarterback. I mean, oh, he, somebody know, that's been in a Pro Bowl a couple of times. Who's been in the Super Bowl? Who's been in the playoffs two other times? What Jared are we talking Goff, about? Jared Goff had a lot of support. and he So had, does Dak Prescott.
1: Right.
3: Look, you know, I, I mean, uh,
1: Jack Prescott's not an amazing quarterback, but he's a pretty good quarterback. That level. Jared Goff has regressed. I mean, I don't care. And, and part of it, at least to the to the naked eye, for people who don't know everything about quarterback play, whatever, you know, he seems to have regressed. What how much of that? How much of that was Bay? Aaron it was Aaron Donald? How much of that was, you know, having all the pieces around him that helped complementary football? But he seems to have regressed from his time from the Rams to now,
0: right? I'm not I'm not in a huge Jared Goff guy. I'm just saying if you if you who knows what happened with him and McVay, right? Confidence is an issue. Being comfortable with yourself is an issue. All I know is he got better at the end of last year when Dan Campbell started calling the plays. I don't know why. Maybe Dave, why don't you shed a little uh knowledge on us here? Why did excuse me, why did Goff get a little bit better at the end of last season, last four because, or five games? Because the Packers
1: were sitting their
2: starters in the second half of the last game.
0: Okay, so what about the other four games?
2: Um yeah, no, look, I I, uh, I there's it's indisputable. Jared Goff played better football the second half of the season. And part of it was, you know, I think the belief in him from the coaching staff, you know, Ben Johnson, you know, took a more prominent role in the passing game. The the creativity that they, they showed. Part of it was Jared's belief in the the coaches that were calling the plays. I don't I don't think that that relationship was with Anthony Lynn was. Uh, you know, particularly you know, trusting on on either side, maybe you know, you know, Anthony Lynn saw some of the same shortcomings that we did, and um, you know, I don't know that that Jared Goff you know appreciated that. I mean, they they got some look. It wasn't just about the talent, but they did add, you know, Josh Reynolds, Taylor Decker came back, but if we're being honest, T.J. Hawkinson missed a lot of time uh, during the second half of the season. DeAndre Swift missed some time, so it wasn't just about the the people around him. So I, I think there were a lot of factors there. I'm sort of um, splitting the difference here because I, I agree with both of you that. Sean, you're right. Like, you know, Jared Goff is like he's not in that elite, you know, class of quarterback. I don't and know. Carlos, I don't, I don't think he's he's in Dak Prescott's group either. But I don't think he's that far off, right? Like, if there's this really elite tier, and then there's another pretty darn good tier below them with like Stafford and, and, you know, Dak Prescott and, you know, Russell Wilson or whoever else is in that tier. And then, you know, golf is in that next year, but he's certainly not like at the bottom of the NFL where we're talking like, you know, Sam Darnold as a starter and, and, you know, right now drew Locke as a starter and, you know, some of these guys. So Jared golf is, you know, he's a quarterback that you can survive with, but he's not, you can win with, but you, you don't win because of him. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that's the, um, Ultimately, I do think that when you draft a quarterback or you go out and find a quarterback, you need to make sure you, you upgrade. So that's where, Sean, I agree with you on this and, and not Carlos. It's not rolling a dice on a third round pick that you don't have any clue if this guy is going to be even modestly good is is not necessarily worth it. But the, the 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 one caveat to that is, you know, you can also win in the NFL by having a young guy on a rookie deal and spending a lot on the rest of your roster and building things up that way. So. That's the uh, the alternative, I guess, to to paying Jared Goff is to to take one of those guys who you think the upside is simply being what Jared Goff is and using that extra cap space that you have to build out the rest of your roster.
0: Yeah, and maybe and and maybe they'll get there. I mean, we're, we might be talking about one more year, right, Carl? That's it. It's well, funny they try to strengthen the roster everywhere else. What's that, Dave? Sorry. No, I was
2: just gonna say it's funny when we were uh, before you came on, Sean. When you know we were waiting for you to wake up from your your you know beauty sleep, we were. No, you know, I, I said, can't
0: tell the listeners what was happening.
2: Nah, no, I know Andrew said you know uh, he was joking about not wanting to see any mock drafts for 2023, and it does seem like we're veering off into that that direction. We were, we said no, 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 but yeah, that's that's the uh, the talk, right is is what are the quarterbacks going to look like next year? So, and what are they? <laughs> <laughs> tell us, Carlos. Tell yeah. us, Carlos. I have I'm,
1: Dave's going to drop
2: uh, 2023
1: mock draft 1.0 uh, <laughs> tomorrow, and I'm going to have my instant grades based off of that. Oh, no, tell us, Carlos. Come on. By the way, one thing about the instant grades to to all you haters out there, like Dave Burkett, is yeah, oh, Insta grades. Suck. You know, you know here's the grade, and here's what you think. And then everybody, people don't even like to do grades at all. After the first round, I'm like, no, you need two years to grade them. Okay, yeah, show me all the show me all the grades from the, you know,
2: 2021 draft that are coming out right now. Yeah. It's a way of saying I'm scared. I don't want to have an opinion. No, it's not. It's just doesn't no. have the same clicks. I've done them before. They don't know. People don't care about them as much, but that, that I mean, right. it's like these GMs have said before, right? Bob Quinn used to say, you need two years, not three. Mayhew said three years. Like that's really what you need to evaluate a class, but
3: one you know, year, that,
2: probably two. Look, I. I mean, the grades, I get them and it's okay to make judgments in time. It's just, you don't, you know, they're you have to take them for what they're worth, right? Don't don't right. I mean, whatever we say about them now, it doesn't all of them doesn't really matter. That look the the quarterback class next year, Sean, we don't know. And this is what we were saying beforehand, like it, it's supposed to be that. Carlos, right? and I'm strategy. not asking
0: you, I'm asking Carlos. Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. no 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 no, Dave, finish it. don't no, I, well. Please, I know Carlos deflected because
2: Pat. he didn't he didn't have any input on it. Go ahead, of course he's good. Please continue. I wanted to hear well, what I well, was gonna say. Well, yeah, no. know. no, I was just saying obviously C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, right? We know those names. Anthony Richardson at Florida. I know that's a popular one. There's a, I don't know his name. There's a, a quarterback at Boston College that Mark Dominic had mentioned the other day that, um, you know, I think some people have as like a top 15 pick, but what we don't know is what these guys are going to be either. Just like, we don't know what, what, you know, the, the draft picks are because last year it was Spencer Radler and Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis were the top quarterbacks and first round picks. And, Sam Howell went round five and he was the only one of those guys drafted. Now Spencer Rattler will be in the draft next year. I think Slovis had transferred. So I don't, I don't even know where he's at in college. So who knows what those guys become, but um, you know, we're, we're 12 months away. So it's, it's still probably a little too early to, to really have uh, an insight on that. Yeah. It's, it's your fault. Brad Holmes
1: told, explained it's, it's David Kett's fault for hyping, overhyping these quarterbacks. You know, they were, quarterbacks and they were drafted and they were drafted where they were and uh you know nobody was mean to them so
0: (laughs) (laughs) phil jerkovic
1: that's the guy at uh, boston college so
2: was he was he wrong was holmes wrong or we'll find out no, I mean no one. But that's the thing, right? Quarterbacks—the history is they tend to get pushed up in the draft, and that's that's where Carlos is falling into this trap, Sean, that we were talking about the other day. Like, take a quarterback because he's a quarterback. Like, I, I agree. I think oh, Brett Favre. To, Yeah, I, I think there's merit to taking a guy like Malik Willis because you think <laughs> you can develop him. So I, I'm not—I wasn't opposed to drafting a, a Malik Willis at all, right? Like he has tremendous upside. But I think when you also realize, like. You know, there are, are other players at other positions that are going to be able to help you more that are more sure things. And there's no guarantee that Malik Willis in year one or year two or whatever is going to be able to contribute in a meaningful fashion. I think that's why we saw all these teams pass on these quarterbacks so high in the draft.
0: No, and I and I understand. Look, I like like I said at the at, at the top or near the top, you know, we love Carlos. I love Carlos. You know, his angry fan shtick as a columnist. Uh you know, it it it, it works for him. I don't know how he sleeps, but it works. It, it works for him. We like
2: to get out of we like hey, there's another quarterback. We'll leave a second, Kentucky. It's another one that just popped into my head. So they're, you, they're all you like have there, your mock draft ready. David Kent's
1: top quarterbacks of the 2023. You know, I'm gonna I do Kirk have a file
2: Crawford. on my computer because I started this last year, like the quarterbacks to watch for the 2022 draft. So I do have some names on a file on my computer. So that because it's such an important position and you do think the Lions are going to need one at, at some point. So hey, hey, you were you were you were high on Sam Howell, weren't you? I was. Yeah. I mean what you know what? I watched him I w- well I wasn't high on him necessarily in the draft, but I watched him early on in the 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 year and he had no one around him in like his first game and he was getting bashed for throwing a couple of interceptions and I was like, man, this is not his fault. Like what was happening in that game was like everything was breaking down around him and he was scrambling around trying to make plays and and so um I thought he was getting a bad rep for for that game, but um you know, I know the you know Dan Campbell had said they liked you know Sam Howell and what he did at the uh you know the senior bowl, but obviously, you know, they they don't think that those guys or didn't think that those guys were gonna be any better than Tim Boyle, David Blau, that contingent of backups that they have on the roster.
1: Your dude well, they, your dude Martin
2: Mayhew took them, huh? Martin, yeah, yeah. Look, I again, uh different you know, quarterback situations, I guess, across the league. And certainly you can be a valuable um, backup. And that's where you find a lot of backups, right? That, that area. And maybe there's a little chance that you develop into a starter. You'd be an upper tier backup. So if something happens, so, um, you know, but I'm just in in general, in general, I think history will tell you that most of the good quarterbacks and Carlos, you can certainly find exceptions, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, but, um, the most successful quarterbacks are taken in the top 10, and so NFL guys do a pretty good job of identifying talent. And uh so you know, outside of that, it's a crapshoot to begin with. Outside of that, it's an even bigger crapshoot.
0: As we uh mentioned last night over and over and over, and uh, you know, didn't really get anywhere. So why would we get anywhere today? It's not gonna... That's true.
2: It's to to talking to ourselves, Sean.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't I don't I don't know why that would change. But look, man, I know you gotta you got to get. We're grateful uh, you gave us some time. Plus, you have to go put your mock draft together and and do your grades. Yeah. You know, Car- Carl's has got some idea that people are afraid to do it. No, they just you know, I don't know. They like to they like to look and see what reality is, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, we know uh, we know people like to read them. We know it comes with the job. You know, I mean, look, if we ever were afraid of being wrong, we wouldn't write anything. You know, but, or predictions.
0: Uh, you know, which we have to yeah. do all fall, right? Oh, who's gonna win? Yeah. Who's gonna you know? We pretend we're Vegas for a while, so I guess uh, we're with Carlos on that. But anyway, any last thoughts, uh, Carlos, before we let our buddy go?
1: No, it was a, uh, it was, um, it was a very interesting draft, you know. And uh, you know, I like to, I like to applaud and and thank Dave for you know doing his 15 mock drafts this year. He showed a little bit of restraint, um,
3: and he I, I was cut it down right. by one. I
1: usually do six. Six. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's becoming old and conservative in his old age here. Um, but, uh, and he's never wrong because he puts out Sonny Moncraft. He's going to be right at some point, but he was his last one. Part he the saved secret. the best for last. And he, he went <laughs> with the obvious pick, just like his, his man, Brad
2: Holmes, number two, Aiden Hutchinson. So uh, congratulations today. You were started you were with right Aiden, again. went, a, you know, zigzag different direction, came back, ended with Aiden. So, you know, that's all people remember is the, uh, the finished product.
0: We didn't even uh, really talk much about him. We'll have to have you on again, and you, we can actually talk about uh, the players instead of uh, arguing about the draft and quarterbacks and you know Brett, finding Brett Favre and winning a Super Bowl and all. We'll that talk basketball,
2: thing. Sean. You or or,
0: or yeah, or we can or we can do that. But uh, look, I'm going got...
1: to That's my Lions book. I'm going to write Finding Brett Favre. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Thanks for the time. Okay.
0: Yeah, kind of like Finding uh, Einstein's Brain, which is a yeah great book. Anyway. All right, Dave, I know you got to get thanks again for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And Carlos and I, uh, unfortunately, will be right back.
3: My name is Kerry Jr. The second I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press. And now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast on the line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast, maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press, and you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit, you know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. And I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin.
0: Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl Sean. Carl, sir you know it was it's always nice to have david but I, I don't and i know we need to talk about jeff blashaw on the wings and we'll get to that in a minute but i'm not sure we're quite done with the with the nfl draft that's why we're recording on a sunday morning um doing this podcast uh you know getting 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 you on your what third cup of coffee is that how many
1: uh it's a it's an extra large mug my uh, oh, so in uh, and out mug oh your in and out mug yeah so it's my i guess it's three you'd call it my third cup
0: yeah it black or do you put cream and sugar or honey? um
1: i do uh i do a little bit of cream and sugar
0: uh sugar in the raw
1: and then sometimes i go black a little bit to cut down on the calories
0: sugar in the raw yeah that's a... never drink your calories no 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 that, that's probably that's probably smart you know that's probably smart so so listen uh we, you know, we just had a lot of, of fun arguing about all that sort of stuff, quarterbacks and what you know, difference makers and so. But I'm curious what you think, just to the the. Let's just stay with the top two guys, but especially with Aiden Hutchison, because you know there was so much back and forth about who was going to be, you know, came came on Thibodeau and and uh I don't know what was it Hutchison or Thibodeau. Hutchinson, we we heard that for a month, and I'm curious what you think. Hutchinson's ceiling is what kind of player do you think he is? And do you think that they went with the safe pick and I hate using words like that because sometimes they're coded, right. And we use them, we use them for certain players and don't use them for other players. And you can get into some, uh, a mess that way, but I'm just curious what your take is. Man,
1: you are so in your head about this, like coded and this and that,
0: like, well, it's true. We're we're trying to, we're trying to bust out of all that. We're trying to change that. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
1: Yeah, he was he was the safer pick. I mean, that's what people were saying, right, is he has a, you know, a a higher floor, but a lower ceiling, whatever, and all that, you know, the old, uh, the old uh, tropes that they use for draft picks and everything. And I, I thought Thibodeau um, just has more talent and more, more of a ceiling and more, you know, potential, whatever, to be that amazing you know, 12, 15 sack guy, whatever it's going to be. But Hutchinson is also a very good player. You know, I have no problem with him. The problem, the only problem with Hutchinson that he's the number as the first, you know, um, edge rusher or whatever, you know, top guy off the, I don't know how you consider Trayvon Walker. I mean, I don't know if you're splitting hairs here, how much he's going to play inside or anything, but, but Hutchinson, you know, going that high, no matter what, if he's not if he's not producing close to double digit sacks, he's going to take a lot of heat from the fans and from the media. If he's if he's hovering around and I'm talking about two, three years down the road, if he's still hovering around seven sacks, six sacks, something like that, there's going to be a lot of questions about it. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on the also the coaching staff. So, like, hey, man, are you guys putting him in position to win? Is it him? Is it the scheme? Whatever it is, Um so that's that's going to be tough. Um but for now I think he's a good pick. Um he should be getting stronger. That's one of the things I think that that uh is a little bit of a question mark, but guys always get stronger in the NFL. Whether that's actual strength or functional strength is a is a different question, but um you know, hard worker, right attitude, um all that stuff. I mean, you know, if frankly if he if he doesn't end up being great, you know, that was everybody thought he was a good pick um, and you're splitting hairs, whether you want him or Thibodeau or whatever. Um, so, you know, however it pans out, it pans out, but
0: you know, good. I mean, I, did you like the pick? Uh, I, I did. I mean, if it, it's, it, yeah, I did. I, I think he can be a really good player. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a pro bowl level player or not, but you know, maybe he's also a little more versatile. He can move inside a little bit. I mean, he's, he's, he you can move him around a little bit, you can put him up down you can you know as they say put your fingers in the in the ground and or stand him up he's a a, a pretty good run defender so and they' talked we heard carlos how many times do we hear the word versatility in allen Park the last three days about what they want right what? a lot so he's got a little he's got a little bit of that you know i don't I don't know if he's a force what what's the catchy phrase a a force multiplier or some kind of multiplier where you're you're looking at a a player and he's carrying everybody with him and that's like a lottery thing the multiplier yeah yeah you know I saw you it's funny I mean the, the Pistons used that word with Cade Cunningham But with Cade Cunningham it may, and I'm sorry I don't want to get off on the NBA oh anything. here we go basketball okay <laughs> but no but it it made sense because of the position he played and the way he was going to change you know it, his the way he played affects um everything so the way Hutchison And also Cunningham is a a pretty remarkable leader already at twenty. Is Hutchison that kind of leader? I don't know that he is. I'm not sure that that's what he was even at Michigan. But you might. I think you can say that the the force of his personality, the way he plays that energy, that might bring some people along a little bit at some point, right? Uh, You know, I I, I don't know. I don't know that he's going to call meetings. And I mean, right? You know. And you heard, you heard Hutchinson too. It's like, well, look, I'm young. I, I need to learn. And it's not like, uh, who was it? Was it Pascal? that said I changed locker rooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can the, change the, a locker room. I can change a locker room. I mean, we didn't hear anything like that. From yeah. You know, I you know what expect you can
1: change to. rookie. See that dirty pile of clothes, go change those and go put those yeah, in the exactly. washer for us. That's what you're going to change. Exactly. He's going to get so much poop for that when he, what someone's going to read. Cause it was a headline, at least in the free press, like it's, his teammates are gonna see that he's gonna he's gonna have to answer for that
0: one. Yeah, no, I thought I thought about that one for sure. So look, and I don't want to fall into the, into the cliches with Hutchinson, but the Lions and Dan Campbell in particular um, obviously wanted him, right? For the for the not just the production, but for the way he plays and kind of he's got some swag too, right? He does. He, he's yeah. got some swag, and I think I think they wanted that.
1: How how restrictive is that going to be as far as if he's not my guy? I don't know if I want him. I'm going to pass on a lot of talent here because he's not my guy. He's not my, I mean, Jim Cole wanted married boy Scouts is what he wanted. You know, um, Rod Marinelli wanted everybody who was you know, played in the Tampa two, whatever, and they're going to fit the Tampa two system. And, you know, it's like when you become kind of a little too narrow minded about what you want when there's too much, um, you know, inflexibility about that, you're passing on some guys or you're missing out, you know? Um, so that's what I'm worried about is it, well, well, it's good to have that kind of, um, idea that, that, that ideology of this is the kind of player we want, you know, sticking a little bit too much to it sometimes blinds you to other possibilities and uh, opportunities. So, um, but you got to get along, you gotta, you gotta be sort of simpatico and on the same wavelength. Um, I, I I appreciate that, but I hope there's a little bit of room for allowing players who, you know, like and that's one of the things I liked about Caldwell that he said all the time was I let I like I like players to be themselves. I want them to be authentic. Um and yes, he drafted a lot of Boy Scouts, but he also he also had guys on the team who were, you know, not the most straight and narrow guys. Um and he learned to work with them, you know. But I think he was that was Caldwell had he had a lot of skill in that department of getting along with players and talking to them on their level and relating to them and getting buy-in. So, you know, we said he should have been some kind of like executive coach, not the coach making the sideline decisions, but he know, he knew how to coalesce the team and how to build consensus and talk to players, you know, in a real way um, instead of, you know, we need great this. And I like Campbell. I think he's doing a good job, but I, I like Campbell. I just hope he doesn't get too stuck in that grit thing
0: let, let, let me ask you this too uh since you're um you know you're pretty good at deciphering human nature when you want to you know i mean maybe not in your column but w- when you just i want folks to know out, out there that if you're just having a cup of coffee with carlos you're just sitting around talking about the world he's he's very very insightful and i'm sorry i don't y'all don't get to see that more more often but uh but so tell me we're talking about campbell Holmes. Who's running this show? Whose uh voice is more now that we've seen a couple drafts and after this weekend, who whose voice is more right? Because at some point, I mean Holmes obviously has the final say, but who is more influence at this point, do you think?
1: I'm starting to think uh Dan Campbell does a little bit. I think that he's I I, I you hear him talk more about the grit and all that stuff than Holmes does. And and a, and a and a general manager really you know the I think the trick to to being a GM is you you have to get the player that the coach wants, really. When you start when you start making those decisions, you know if the if the coach has a strong uh, preference, and you override him and you give him a player that doesn't fit, that's the kind of thing that creates a fissure in the organization, and then people start pointing fingers you gave me this guy. I, he, I don't want to play him. I, he doesn't fit. I told you he wasn't going to fit. And then there's a problem there. And then the finger pointing happens, you know, um, and that's, you don't want that. And then you put yourself on the line as a general manager, you know, that's why GMs tend to survive longer than coaches. You know, the old saying they get to hire two coaches, you know, and sometimes that's three these days. If you don't put your butt on the line too much, Hey man, this is, this is our evaluation. This is what they think. This is what generally, you know, the consensus is more or less from the personnel department. The coaching staff, whatever. How does it fit? This is the best option because I guarantee you, there's never a thousand percent consensus, you know, about these players, and it's gonna, it's always a, it's always a negotiation. So, who do we need? Who? But ultimately, let the coach have who he wants, you know. And there's nothing, there's that's not necessarily the wrong way to go. So, uh, but I think it's, I don't know. What do you do? You get the sense that it's, it's one or the other more.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems. I'm with you. It seems like Campbell has. You're, and you're right about the point that you know, the coaches should have a say for sure. And, um, and, and I get that sense, but maybe it's also Holmes doesn't care about uh, how that's perceived, you know, and he has his ways of sh- using his influence, right. And making sure that the, the way he wants to build a team is, uh, is, is part of this. So, and, and you're right. There's, there's never any consensus. I mean, this is a very subjective thing. You can measure certain things. You can measure speed, verticality, all that sort of stuff. But in the end, it's a very subjective business, isn't it? It really is in trying to figure yeah. out and project the uh, the you know the, the the jump from college to the NFL. It, well, the it thing, just, the thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say it's it's uh, it's almost impossible in in a way, or right, you have to get lucky. We've talked a lot about that.
1: You have to get lucky, and and then if you're talking about Holmes and and Campbell and whatever, you know the. They, they both came in at the same time. You know, Holmes does not have power. You know, uh, he's not on the organizational chart above Campbell. They're kind of equal. And, but Campbell came in as more experienced because he was the interim coach for, you know, more than half a season with the Dolphins. And you can see that. And with Holmes, he was never a general assistant general manager. He was, he was the director of college scouting for the Rams, which means he didn't even work in the building. He worked out of Atlanta. So he, he had a, he's had a longer way to go in that, you know, catching up or getting experience as a general manager, you know, it's a, it's a much different role for him. Campbell's, he did the job, you know, and I think you, you sense that a little bit more from them. Like when, when you see Campbell talk and you interact with him and the decisions he's made, he ex he seems to have a little bit more heft behind him, you know, surety, um, and And Holmes seems to be f- fielding his way through this a little bit more to me um there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that um but just that I would say Campbell's maybe got a little bit more influence at this point, but that could change you know as things happen As it's, it's only the second draft um so we got a ways to go to see what we learned from the first draft and then obviously how this one plays out um but yeah, it's interesting watching both of them kind of you know play off of each other and see see uh who were who's going to kind of rise above the other guy or how they're going to, how they're going to grow together.
0: Yeah. I would think, you know, they seem pretty aligned for the most part. Right. And the way they, uh, their their chemistry together, you know, I mean, they're going to have different ideas about certain players for sure. But overall, I think they're aligned enough that it's not going to, it's not going to be an issue. That's for sure. I mean, I certainly.
1: Yeah. The only thing I, the only thing with, with, and this is going back, you know, a little ways, but just the, you know, the the thing I never liked about them, you know, hiring Holmes is just hiring a guy who's not done the job. You know, I wasn't crazy about Campbell. I mean, he at least had some experience, but but that too. But Holmes, you know, I always I advocated for, you know, either John Schneider of the Seahawks or Kerry Colbert of the Steelers, because my my opinion is always hire the guy who's done it. Don't try to get, take a guess and hope that you're hiring somebody who's the next diamond in the rough, or whatever. You know, uh, hire the guy who's done it. And that's obviously like Steve Eiserman. That was the most obvious hire, right? You've always wanted him to come back and he was the guy who's done it in Tampa. Like that's what you want. You know, the Dombrowskis, you know, hire the guy who's done it. Don't, don't hope and
0: take a guess. But then there are other organizations that do hire. People that become really good. So I mean, why why, why did the Lions right. have to limit themselves the one way? That's they of the Lions. I mean, you know, I mean maybe, but Matt Mill, that's why. At some point, uh at some point you gotta get lucky. Holmes also's got a couple other people in the room, including uh, John Dorsey, right? Who you know? John Dorsey is smart, but he can be
1: divisive. So it's not like, you know, lucky like he's got Bill Belichick back there, Vince Lombardi or something. No, like he
0: doesn't, but he's, but he's got some people that are pretty good at evaluating. Sure.
1: Sure. They all do. They all have good personnel departments and
0: yeah. guys. And, and, then, and, that's, done it. And, and that's why Holmes yeah. was hired to some degree, right? Is because people thought he had a good eye and a, and a certain kind of personality and that had a chance. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, at the, at the, t- at the top of the draft, actually, well, I am assuming St. Brown was not the top of the draft. He's was what fourth round, but, uh, We'll see. In two years, if he's found, um, you know, four really, really good players, which he has a chance, there's at least a chance that's true, and then maybe some other contributors. We'll see. Uh, who knows? Like you said, it, it, you need time to play out. But in any case, uh, uh, we should talk a little bit of uh, the Red Wings, right? We should talk a little hockey. What do you think of Jeff Blaschel's uh, contract not getting renewed? The, the, the fact that Eiserman, uh, Steve Eiserman is not bringing him back. How about that? Being fired, um, yeah, um, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. No, I, was... I wrote, I wrote, fired. By the way, and that was changed by the copy desk into not bringing him back. Yeah, but... yeah, he's fired. There's, I don't
1: care what anybody how they want to split hairs and you know how much the Red Wings want to blow back and you know whatever. Um, yeah, he was he, you know, they they didn't want him. They they it was it was time. The big the big thing to me was you know about a month ago or so when um, they were going through that terrible spell of losing, getting you know. Allowing eleven goals and ten goals or whatever it was, and getting handled by the Penguins, embarrassed, all this stuff. And I talked to him. We, you know, actually went to a hockey game. Sean, it's, it's. I'll tell you, I'll give you the address when you want to go down to Little Caesars and watch hockey. But uh, they play, they play hockey besides basketball there. Um, but I asked, I asked Blashol this question about the whole, you know, um, do you understand all the heat, all the hate, you know, why people want you gone, all this stuff, and, and he 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 said he got it and. The and I, you know, I asked them about the whole, you know, the terrible nosedive that they took um, in early March, I want to say, and after being in that playoff, you know, conversation, you know, being having one of the wild card spots and then just nosediving, and one of the things he talked about was that the the team did not respond well to that, either heightened expectation or playing better and being able to sustain that, you know, they probably bought into their own height too much. And the question was always going to be, you know, the two questions were going to be, are the, were the Red Wings this year, the first half Red Wings or were they the second half Red Wings? And because of that nosedive and because the players, you know, um, didn't, didn't respond well to their, to their losing streak and their struggles, and buying into their own hype and not knowing how to respond to that. How much of that blame did Eisenman lay on Blaschel? You know, was it, because I'm sure they talked about it and, you know, did Eisenman buy that Blaschel was telling them, hey man, I'm doing what I can. These kids just aren't listening. I'm trying to, you know, emphasize this, but, you know, this guy's doing that. You know, they're not getting back on defense or cheating on offense, all this stuff. Or was it Iserman saying, well, yeah, you're the coach, though. You've got to make that happen. You've got to turn it around. You can't let a young team or a, you know the team that's on the rise take a step back. You've got to steady the ship. And part of it is also, you know, the the accumulated time, right? The seventh year under Blaschel. and then Absolutely. we haven't seen. You know this, so this was was, this was just another nail in the coffin. So I don't know if they had stayed in that conversation longer, if they had just missed out on the playoffs, would he be gone? I'm not sure, but but like I you know like I said with the Lions, this rebuild does not really start until they draft a quarterback. The Red Wings rebuild doesn't really start until Heiserman Heiserman hires his own coach.
0: Yeah, you've got this idea about moving time and parallel universes, and also, and I'm, you know, it's a little confusing. I mean, it's not confusing. It's just, it's, you know, that's your catchphrase. That's fine. The rebuild didn't start, whatever. The rebuild started three years ago with Eisenman. Actually, you would argue that they tried to start the rebuild and Ken Holland was still running things before Eisenman was brought back. It's been way too long a rebuild, and, you know, the lines have been rebuilding for how long, Carl? Since the 60s? I don't know. I mean, you know, a couple of years here and there. I guess they weren't rebuilding, but yeah to me i mean it's interesting because i went back um when i decided to keep blast a year ago and went back and read some of the comments from something i'd written some other folks and and he was and i remember this too he was talking about he thought blast's personality suited the the team at the time and what what he wanted to accomplish in the de- steady development he's talking about his calmness and his patience and uh he thought he thought that was great because when you're young, you know, and your, your mind can get chaotic and the game is fast and you, you know, so much about professional sports so often is, is harnessing and slowing things down so you can, you know, make decisions and then let your physicality kind of flow through in a way without getting in your own way. That's so much of sports. And you know, this with golf, which may be more so than any other sport, right? Just getting that mind quiet as you address that ball. And so Eiserman sort of talked about that as Blaschel being suited to that. But then what happens this year, right? So they, they do come out and they, they play 500 hockey. There maybe a game ahead, a uh, game over 500, into, into mid-late February. And you're right, then the struggles come. And it, it wasn't just that they started losing, though. It was just part of it was they'd get down a goal. They'd get down an early goal. And then the body language, it just became listless, right? And they weren't fighting, and Blasher would even talk about it. You know, they weren't they weren't scrambling in the puck in the same way. When they got to the puck, they weren't as physical, and maybe some of that's talent, but it's not all talent. And you could see that. And I, you know, I went to a couple of games myself, not not as many as the you know couple more you did, but um, but I thought <laughs> oh, that's a nice smile there. I'm sorry, uh, y'all y'all listeners out there can't see that smile, but no, but that's Carlos. That's that's part of it. They they would hang their heads. At the first sign of adversity. And I think that bothered uh Iserman as much as anything, right? Like what what's going on in this team that they can't that the coach can't figure that out. And um, and then you're right, then you put that in a larger context of he's had seven years and uh, they really had no choice. Yeah, it's it was it was uh it, it
1: was time, you know, and I think it's there's also you know, that because we saw, you know, um this for, for I, I I'm just gonna believe that you're actually you actually went to these games and probably just didn't watch the, you know, whatever college basketball on your iPhone, whatever while the game was being played. But if you paid attention to the stands, you know, this was a return to this year was a return because of the COVID things, but this was a return to that liveliness that you used to see at Joe Lewis Arena. Um, the fans are into it, you know. And this they is were. the first glimmer of hope that we've seen from this team in a long time. And you need to You you know, the people like Eisenman who are at every game, you know, feeling it, you literally feel the pulsating energy, you know, at Little Caesars Arena. I mean, this is hockey town. This is, this is in, in people's blood here. And I, I don't, to me, it was, there was a problem with Ever. I rarely saw games. They were the, 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 you'll love this part is the, the coaching stuff, you know, the technique stuff, you know, that's where, um, little things, you know, going after pucks in the corners, you know, not staying on your check, not finishing a check, not not locking the guy up, getting back on defense and making sure you're you're sticking with the trailer on a, you know, on a break from the off the opposing off. Little things, you know, um, and I think all that kind of just added up. And, you know, that's where you have a talent deficit and then you have the coaching problems a little bit that aren't emphasizing um the better habits. Um, and you, you know, then, then that's what leads to some of these blowouts and some of these losing streaks. Um, so, you know, that, that, that the the question is going to be, you know, who who's going to make that difference? Because this team has this team has potential. You know, they proved it this year under Blaschel. They have potential, and they they've got to seize on that. They've got to find the guy who's going to maximize that potential and make this team competitive again. Bring that energy back to the arena because they felt they felt close at times early in the year. So um, it was disappointing to see that it, it it didn't bear out. And Sean, your favorite thing, we would have had a winning team and a playoff team, and you could have gone on the road again to why, to
0: you know. No, you won't no, won,
1: you won't, you won't go to three games at home, but you go on all the road playoff
0: teams. It's a competitive. No, of course I'd go to the three games at home, like I did with the, the Pistons a few years ago when Milwaukee swept him in the playoffs a few years ago when Milwaukee swept him in the playoffs and I'd never seen I mean, little Caesar had never been that loud. And that was for a team they knew they were going to lose to. And right, yeah, it was, it's fun to be a part of that. Uh, you know, it's fun to write about that. You know, that's the competitiveness is, is a great thing. It, it's not, it's not even the winning. I mean, obviously the winning, there has to be some winning, but it's the competitiveness and what you're talking about. And, and that's how it was early at little Caesar and the little Caesars and to watch that fade. Yeah, that that was uh, that was not fun for Eiserman for sure, and and you're right. There were some technical issues, but it was just. You, but part of that's just losing focus. And when you're not focused, you start breaking down. You make mental mistakes. You make mistakes. Uh, you know, like you said, you're not trailing. You're not getting back. You're not chasing after the puck. It's all related. So you lose focus and you lose intensity, and then it shows. And you're half a step slow, and you're you're getting beat. and You're not getting back, and and in the in the crowd feels that right. And um, you know, I, your your point is a really good one. The, the, the energy that we saw early on is is what helped define Hockey Town. Obviously, the Stanley Cup's kind of helped. But, but um, to have that and then to lose that, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough one. So we'll see if they can get that back. I don't think either one of us or anybody that knows a lot more about hockey than we do would say they're, they're a cup-contending team. But they did show they could be competitive and skate with, with the best teams in the league, right, and, and play 500 hockey which is a borderline playoff team. So, you know, they still need more to get to take the next couple of steps to get really, really competitive. But but uh, I'm with you. They've got the roster. They get the right coach to uh, maybe have a whole year of what we saw the last the first couple of months of this past season. So, Carlos, uh, can we take one more quick break and then come back and listen to your favorite thing? Yes. Because I want you to have two favorite things this week, if that's okay.
1: No, I have one. Barely okay. one.
0: Okay. All right. We will uh, be right back uh, with more free press sports with Carlson Shaw.
4: Hello, I'm Phil friend, the host and producer of Spartan speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit free press and Lansing state journal, focusing on Michigan state sports each week. I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Laurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartans Week one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans, as Chris and Graham, each of whom has spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well, along with discussing the latest news. We'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice
0: welcome back to free press sports with carlos and sean carlos uh, are you awake yet by the way on this uh sunday morning of this emergency nfl draft podcast with a little bit of uh, red wings thrown in are you awake yet my my brother i'm barely awake
1: <clears throat> excuse me but i'm way more awake than you and andrew hammond are a trepid producer you guys i the, the draft just sucks the life out of it. you know and in 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 in, uh, well this is going to go into my can i just do my favorite thing now because this is going to be my favorite thing
0: yeah go ahead go (laughs) ahead go ahead and thank you for making it a competition i I ask if you're awake if you're feeling a little well i'm more awake than you and andrew are yeah yeah and
1: i'm losing the competition actually um and then this is right because you're asleep yeah You we just we just found out, um, Sean, that that uh, you have not seen Ford versus Ferrari, one of the great films of the last, you know,
0: my family's seen it, though. Does that count? My family. Yeah, they have taste.
1: You don't. So, yeah, of course, they've seen it. But uh, you probably haven't seen The Prince's Bride either. One of the most beloved Uh, movies of the last cinematic history. But in that movie, there's that whole scene where they go down into the, the, you know, the pit of despair and they torture the, you know, uh, Wesley. And um, it sucks the light. They put them on a torture machine that sucks the life out of you. That's the the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, the suction cups, yeah.
1: The suction cups. And that's the NFL draft for reporters is it sucks the life. It it shaves like months, if not years, uh, off of your life every time you cover it. It's just nonstop, wall-to-wall. You're just there. It's just nothing but thinking and writing and analyzing. And then, uh, you know, having helpful uh, coworkers who are giving you nothing but crap for everything that you write. So,
0: um, it's it's a tough tough hang, but my you were double thing, te- you were double teamed. I'm sorry, Dave I was triple teamed maybe. Oh, because no, did Jeff Seidel did he j- jump in? I don't know. No, he but would anyway. leave the room. He would leave the room as soon as it happened. <laughs> he had the good taste <laughs> and the good
1: comportment to leave the room and be nice at least, um, and then go on his uh, burner account and rip me. So
0: um, oh oh, I see it's a conspiracy. Everybody's all, a- yeah, you all have
1: r- burner accounts. I know who you are. though. No, I know it? You know nothing you're to del- do. Lecto Junior. It's nothing to do with what
0: you do. It's all, it's a conspiracy. No, it's all,
1: it it's always you. But my favorite thing was we hired a fantastic new young reporter named Tony Garcia. Tony did a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the instant, you know, reactions and, and going off stuff of what analysts were saying on, you know, about the Lions picks on ESPN and different, you know, channels or whatever, NFL network. And also writing, you know, some of the updates on the players who were picked, writing the stories doing the interviews, you know, listening to the press conferences. Um, I was really impressed and he's done a lot of work even before this. Um, so he's a really nice guy. Uh, I think he has a really, he's way overqualified for this position, by the way. Um, I won't go into all the stuff. You can probably check out his LinkedIn and see for yourself, but he's, he was just, uh, it was really nice to, to, to see a young, a young man. He's not that young, but he's a, you know, younger journalist and um, get to know him spend some time we we were all we had we have a little annex at the, at the lions media facility and there's like a little room and it was like a like a team free press uh, camp it was like four or five of us in there at, at some point uh different points and uh, so it was really cool to to spend some time with tony and get to know him a little bit better mm-hmm. and uh i look forward to working with him a lot more in the future sean
0: yeah, no, he was a he was a good hire. He's a hustler. God, it's it's fun to be around young people like that that just are so excited to be in the business and and love what they do. Not that not that we don't, but you know, after years you just you take a little bit of a different uh a different eye towards things, right? So it's yeah. it's it's fun to it's fun to <laughs> it's fun to see that. I when I first met Tony, maybe it's not the first met Tony or first ran into Tony after he was hired. The free press was in uh, Comerica park and he looks at me and he's like there's no place i'd rather be and it's just to hear that kind of uh, enthousi- yeah you know hear that kind of enthusiasm that that's how he we, we shook hands he's like i just yeah there's no place i'd rather be so and that's you how said I,
1: there's no place i'd rather not be i'd rather be at home no, watching the playoffs
0: no i didn't i didn't say that at all it was it was it was fun <laughs> i hadn't been to opening day in a few years so it was it was a uh, fun my favorite thing of course is um is getting to hang out in that little annex with the free press, the free press crew. And specifically you, that was three days. There was definitely some lobbies uh, going back and forth. You know, this is how guys, men that are friends often, and you you listeners out there, you know, this express their affection for each other and and through, through through insults, right. You know, sometimes you push up against it and maybe a step a little bit too close and you got to pull back and, this is the lesson that men often have to learn over and over and over again. Right. But, uh, we, we, we hug each other metaphorically by saying what the F was that, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Uh, what's the matter with you? Or go on, man. Or, you know, Carlos calling me fat or, or jolly fat ass or whatever. it was. I called you bald and fat. Come on. Okay. bald. Well, I know that, that was separate. Yeah. So that's how he, although who knows, who knows with Carlos, you never know, but, uh, I, I enjoyed that. And, um, you know Carlos likes to dish it out and he likes to exchange that way in person uh, but then sometimes there's a since there's a, a quieter side right too, Carlos
1: you know Yes mostly quiet when I'm yeah. sleeping
0: Yeah when you're when you're sleeping or or when you're or when you're not sleeping but the, no in all seriousness that was that was fun we hadn't done that we had not been in the draft in person in a couple of years 3 years maybe right Something like Three that 3 years yeah, yes. three years. So it'd been a while and it is, and it can be, you know, it's a lot of work and that's okay though. You know, having Tony there and that energy was great, you know, but I don't remember the last time we were all there that long together. And, uh, and like I said, it'd been three years and, and I enjoyed it. That was fun. And, uh, I got to bring you a little, a little something that I'd cooked and I, I enjoyed that, you know,
1: you know, and the other thing, and the pot roast is really good. And, and the, uh, the thing I, the thing that as much as I really prefer to do this, virtually um it's kind of a pain driving over there and everything those days and working the long nights and but it was kind of you know I forgot how I mean that media room it was just packed to the gills every day uh, not as much the last day but but the first two days for sure and just it's kind of like a like a not a reunion but like a gathering of, of Detroit sports media everybody's there and like oh you see you haven't seen this person in a long time and and this is how it used to be more, you know, you got everybody there and everybody's, you know, talking and bitching about different things and this and that. And um, it's kind of fun, like a little convention, you know. And we had that when I went to the wings game, whatever, a few weeks ago. Uh I forget they were playing some, I don't know where I can't even remember who they were playing, but we were there and, and it was kind of like that a little mini mini meeting of the Detroit sports media, and we got together and I was like, and I was thinking about that, like we haven't had enough of these moments because of the COVID stuff and and things are just kind of getting back to normal this year. Um, so it was fun to kind of see. And I try to, uh, Tony helped remind me of having that youthful enthusiasm. That's that's harder to find as you get older and older, you know, you it's, I mean, we spent, <laughs> we spent what, almost half an hour bitching about travel stuff, you know, like at one point during the draft on Saturday or
0: whatever. Actually, no, so, we weren't, but no, 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 we weren't bitching at all. We were, we were figuring out ways to make expense accounts and and all that sort of paperwork right. a little bit easier. I didn't think yeah, we were all bitching at all.
1: Ins and outs and the, the tricks. Yeah, and that think, was actually fun. like Dave yeah. Burkett gave a Ted talk on how to, how to, you know, work the angles. And it yeah. was, and I, was I, was I remember looking fun. over at Tony and Tony's looking at us it, like, like kind of with awe but kind of like sadness and and put you know uh like you, this is what you guys care about this much yeah. you know we,
0: we were excited to figure new things out <laughs> I, nobody was bitching yeah 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 come on man
1: it's all bitching yeah uh, not, yeah not really. it's, it's it's fun to have that that perspective you know sometimes it, that that reminds you that you know hey it's not all just work and you know stress all the time so um but, yeah, you're right, Sean. It was it was fun to spend time with the people again.
0: It was. It was. Well, listen, uh, it's always fun to spend time with you, even on a Sunday morning. I'm, uh, you know, happy to, to have your time, my man, that you got up just uh, just to do this. Just Andrew, to do and I, Andrew and I feel honored.
1: Just, you know what? I did it for Anjanette. That's what I did it for. Did
0: you? Anjanette yeah. Delgado. She's we somebody... haven't
1: mentioned her. Oh, my God. We're going to get she, in trouble.
0: Yeah, she's somebody we need to thank here, don't we, as we wrap this up. Uh, Once again, Carlos, it was great to uh, be with you. It's uh, like I said, I say this every week. It's uh, one of my favorite parts of the week. I look forward to it. I hope you do the same. Absolutely. All right, good. Good, good, good. I'm glad you got your double coffee and in your In-N-Out mug too. I think I think that helped. <laughs> Once you refill, I I could feel you perk up a little bit after
1: that. Yeah. By the way, by the way, does does uh because we're arguing about best chain restaurant uh burgers, does a Shake Shack or Five Guys have a coffee mug? I don't think so. No,
0: no, they don't. So you that that's that's definitely one for you. That's on the In-N-Out side. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll take that. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us. Um, you know, thank you for you know listening to carlos it is the carlos show i think carlos uh, said a few weeks ago that it, this really should be free press sports no th- wh- what'd you say you say it, carlos go ahead The carlos show featuring sean the, yeah yeah not featuring with sean no the with carlos sean. show with uh, an occasional with occasional <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 I, I think that sounds better and i'm my mine's uh, the small font right like an eight point and you're like a 32 point I I think that's the way we need to do. You know, point sizes. Well, you know, I used to. Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. (laughs) All right, my man. That was fun. And uh, let's let's let these let's let these listeners go. Can we do that? And thank the people we sure, need to thank. Make sure you thank everybody. And no, no, I said and thank, we, thank the people we need to thank. Let's start with Andrew Hammond, who uh, makes this show possible, produces this, and puts up with us every week. We want to thank Anjanette Delgado. Sorry, Anjanette, that's only twice. I hope uh, you'll recover from that. She is, of course, the uh, executive editor of the paper and the executive producer. Or what? How about the co-executive producer of this podcast? Along with Kirkland, or as we say, Kirk Crawford, who's the sports editor of the Free Press we also want to thank Peter Boddy, the editor of the Free Press. If you uh, if you like the show, let us know. If you don't, let us know. Either way, you can wherever you find your favorite podcasts at Spotify, Apple, those sorts of places. Uh, when you get there, give us a uh, give us a little rating. You know, give us a shout in some way. A, a, a few words of of a, of a shout, that sort of thing. In any case, we will uh, we will be back next week, and thanks again for joining. Us.